is here is going to read for us this morning. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Father, this morning we thank you. We thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you for stories, Father, that encourage and lift us up. But most of all, Father, we thank you for stories and a witness that just prove that your word is always true. God, there are so many hurting hearts and lives and people, families, schools, communities, and even churches. And God, if we do... Matthew 6, if we seek first the kingdom, all these things will be added to us. And all these things are peace and joy and hope and love and happiness and salvation. But God, we've got to seek you first. Father, I am so thankful that I, I'm privileged to be here at this church that has invested into people's lives that we can hear a difference being made. Father, that we can hear people are being saved and we can hear that your gospel is being spread because we're willing to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to you. Lord, I thank you again for this. And today, Father, if, if it pleases you to please let us preach your gospel. Father, that we wouldn't be heard, but it's your word that will be heard. And your example will be shown. And that you'll be the one that's elevated. And that you'll be the one that draws all men to you. Lord, today I just pray that if there's anyone here today that needs to come and make a personal relationship with you, that this is the day and the hour. Father, maybe there's one that needs to come and, and be closer to you. Or Father, maybe there's one that needs to just come and lay everything down at your feet. Father, whatever it is that we need to do to stop conforming to the world and form be translated into you, God, this be the day and the hour. Father, I pray this in your son's holy name. Amen. Now, before we start this morning, I, I didn't, I, I don't own anything that says Chiefs. So, uh, I did find a handkerchief that has footballs all over it. So, go Chiefs? Is that how y'all do it? <laughs> I don't know. I tried making it roll Chiefs. That just didn't sound right. So, you know, I, I don't know. But I, I really... Well, I really and truly hope that the team that wins today glorifies God in their victory from the beginning to the very end. That they play with the, the spirit 
and unity that God wants us to have. And this morning, we, we, we talked, titled the lesson, you know, uh, Being an Organic Christian. And so we talked about it the other day at the college, and, the, and some of the students were laughing because the last poultry company that I worked for, by default, and when I say by default, I mean nobody else wanted to do it, and I was the new guy, so I got it. And I was the organic quality manager for the company. And I thought, I don't know nothing about this. I don't have anything. You know, I just, and so they brought this lady in and she said, okay, I'm going to teach you everything you need to know about being organic. And I said, okay. And I come in and I was expecting her to walk in with volumes of stuff for me to read. And, and to be honest with you, if it don't have some pictures every now and then, I, I lose interest real quick. You know, I mean, I want somebody with a cape, you know, a fast car, an invisible plane. I don't something that makes keeps me interested. And she walks in with one piece or one little packet, lays it on my desk, and she said, "Here you go." And I went, "Man, that can't be all there is to organic." She opened it up, and it was an application for a review request to be certified as an organic farm. And I looked at her and I said, okay, that, that's great. I, I can figure out how to fill this out, but I'd still, and she said, listen to me. She said, you've got to know how to word it so it is organic. And I sat there for a little bit, and she said, I'm going to say it real slow because you look confused. And I said, I am. She said, you have to word it so it is organic. And I sat there for a few minutes, and I looked at her, and she said, yep. The way you write it out is the way they'll read it. Now, I don't want to burst anybody's bubble this morning, but if you're going to your local grocery store and you are buying apples, bananas, oranges, strawberries, any type of fruit, meat, eggs, milk, that says organic, and you're buying it that because you think that makes you healthy, They cannot certify plants, trees, bushes, or animals. They can certify the ground. And so when you look at them and they ask you this question, in the past three years, has there been any pesticides, herbicides, all these other sides, or anything added to this that is not natural and organic, before it, organic approved before it went in, the soil? And you say, nope, not to my knowledge, you're organic. And so the more I got to reading on it and the more I got to doing it, the more I figured out what this new age of organic farming is 
is what we used to do when I was a kid because we couldn't afford all that other stuff. They rake the leaves out in the garden and let them rot, which nutrition in the soil. They burn the fields off, which puts the ash and the nitrates back into it. And they walk their fields, they walk their crops, they walk their animals, and they they see them and they visit, and they know when there's something wrong because they're there looking at it. And so to be organic, what they're actually saying is you don't add anything to what it's supposed to be. And I thought when that clicked in my head, I thought, this is nothing new. People are just figuring out they're poor. And charging you three times the price to let you get poor. Now, I'm not saying that there's not some good stuff out there. And I'm not saying that there's some really bad stuff out there. I'm just saying use common sense. And so as I was reading this, and and we were talking the other day at school, and I come home and I sit down and I started looking at Sunday's sermon. And and as I was praying, and, and it said, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you, Present your, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Now what do we think about when we hear that in the church? Can't smoke. Can't drink. Can't go dancing. Can't go to the movie theater. Has nothing to do. That's not the first thing we think of is act like a Christian. Live like Christ lived. Talk to those that Christ talked to. Share with those that Christ shared with. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Paul said, and Peter said it, and all the apostles at one point realized it, that at some time in our life, as a child of God, you're going to get beat up. You're going to get kicked and knocked around. You're going to get talked about. You're going to get spit on. You're going to have everything in this world. But if we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, He'll be pleased with us. Don't that make you want to run out and be a Christian this morning? To know that people are going to talk behind your back about you. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to laugh at you. Matter of fact, we in the church have gotten so part that we say Christian means to be Christ-like. I'm going to burst your bubble this morning. That's not what it means. Because when at Antioch, the first place the term was used, Christian... You can go in the book of Acts and find this. At Antioch, they first called those that were followers, they first called them Christians. It was a derogatory term that non-Christians used to belittle and put down and push away those that believed in Christ. Because what Christian actually means is it's taken from Greek 
Hebrew, Aramaic, and Latin, and all mixed together. Christ, Christo, the anointed one, translated out of, out of Hebrew as Messiah, Translated through Latin and Aramaic, Christian means to be those of Christ. And when you go back and read into the Greek and the, or the Aramaic and the Latin, you find that it means that we are slaves of Christ. And so the first church, first Christians that were called Christians were not held in esteem. They were belittled by saying, you're a slave. And the first Christians were like, yes, they see it. I'm a slave to a savior, to a Messiah, to the best master that there's ever been in my, in my life that I have ever seen. Because this is a master that loves me. This is a master that cares for me. This is a master that will tell me what I need to know before I even know I need it. And as I said earlier, the the team I want to win today is the one that glorifies God. Yesterday, we went over to Carthage and we watched our grandson play ball. Saturday mornings is normally the morning that Katie and I can sleep later. And so we really love to. And somehow or another, these people that schedule these tournaments know that. And so they schedule tournaments before I normally get up on Saturday. And so we didn't make it to the first game. We, we, we slept in a little later, and then, you know, we, we, we fixed breakfast, and, and we ate, and then, then we got ready, and we, we went to the, and we watched them play the second and third game. And one thing that I noticed about the little team that our grandson plays on, which, by the way, they ended up winning the tournament and placed first place. And I like to say it's because my grandson was on the team, but it was really the whole team that won. But I noticed some things in both of the games that we got to watch. And it was this little group of young men, because that's what they are. They're fourth and fifth graders. And this little group of young men, when they come out on the court, they came out supporting each other, in what they were doing. But not only did they support one another, but as the other team would come out and and they would get ready to do something, our team would actually look at them, and I say our team because if my grandson's on it, it's mine. It's like University of Alabama. We played great. I couldn't play a down in any game. It would kill me. But we played great. But I watched our team as they came out and and as they got ready to do a tip-off and some of the guys from the other team were standing inside the circle and our players were like, hey, you got to back up. And, And hey, you need to be between us. And as they lined up for free throws and they... 
they would do that, and then they would try, hey, hey, you need to be right here. And they would put them in the position that they needed to be in. And if the other player on the other team done something good, our kids would tell them, hey, that was great. They supported them, and they showed them what it was. As fourth and fifth graders, they exemplified what it means to not add anything in, but just play the game. And they did. And what I was really proud of is that the first, the second game they played, at one point, they it was close to the end of the game, and, and they were passing and dribbling and going around the court. And, and I, was, I was getting tickled because both of their coaches on the sideline were yelling, Don't shoot! Because they were up almost 20 points. And they didn't want to add to the score. And they were telling them repeatedly. The kids would be wide open and having, and they were screaming, Don't shoot! And they would pass it to somebody else. They did not add their self to the game. And I wonder today how many people more would we have in church if we stopped adding to what God said we needed to have. If we would quit adding to and piling on and heaping on to everybody that comes to God's church and God's house, if we would stop requiring things of them that don't have anything to do with the gospel. We talked about this on Wednesday night. How many people have been rejected from church because of the way they dress? And this afternoon, if you'll check your Facebook post very closely and you start scrolling through them, and if you don't have any, you can come to mine and scroll through it because you'll start seeing them. If them folks wearing them their football team's gear are at church this morning on stage, they ain't really a Christian no way. I don't think what shirt you got on or don't have on has anything to do with it, just so you got on a shirt. I'm going to trust me. I shave in the mornings and I look in the mirror and, and I, when I, y'all don't want to see this without a shirt, so wear a shirt. I've heard people tell about other, look, well, when he comes back and got his hair cut, he can come in. I don't think God cares whether you got hair or not. I really hope he don't not. <laughs> Gary and I have made it easy for him because he said, even the hairs on our head are numbered. Our angel went, well, I'm done. I'm through. Those ladies don't have on dresses. Those men don't have on suits or ties. Those young people are wearing tennis shoes. Those little kids had ribbons in their hair. Do you know what they used to do? Do you know where they live? Do you know what their family has done? Do you know where they've been? 
God's Son knows exactly where each and every one of us have been and what we've done. Because if you look in the Bible, you'll see that there are times that it is written, Jesus Christ. And then there are other times it's written, Christ Jesus. When it's written, Jesus Christ, it's man God. But when it's written, Christ Jesus, it's God the man. You see, Jesus was a very popular name. It was an organic name. They were a lot of people had that name Jesus. Joshua is a form of Jesus. So there were many people before Christ was born that were named Jesus. He was not the first. But he was the first to be born of man that was truly God. And by him being born of man, he justified man to God. And then by him dying and living the life that he lived, dying on a cross, raising again from the dead, he justified God to man and saying, they're mine. And so when Paul writes here to this new startup church, and you've got to remember, we, we've talked about it several times, it was until the 1400s when a print press maker or printer in Italy put it chapters and verses so he thought it would be easier to read like a book. But before that, it was all one long letter. So when Paul started out here, he said, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies. What that therefore is there is therefore a reason. Because if we go back to chapter 11 and we start reading in verse 29, he says, Regarding the gospel, there are enemies of your, for your advantage, but regarding election... There are those loved ones of the patriarchs. Since God's gracious gifts and callings are irrevocable. You hear that? We can't as a church body in a building somewhere revoke what God's love, grace, and mercy does by adding a constitution and bylaws. We can't revoke it. As you once disobeyed God, but now have received mercy through their disobedience. Say what? God knows we sinned, but God gave us mercy anyway. God knows we were lost, but he saves us anyway. God knows we're unworthy, but through his son we are made worthy. So now, those that have to those who have disobeyed, resulting in mercy to you, so that they also may receive mercy. It didn't say just a select few. It said to those that have disobeyed have received mercy. Nurse number thirty-two. For God has imprisoned all in disobedience. What's it say? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
Through one man centered in or entered into the world, but by one man sin was forgiven. Verse 32, for God has imprisoned all in disobedience. This ought to make even a Baptist shout. So that he may have mercy on all. Show yourself to be a living sacrifice. Showing others that no matter what their past is, God will forgive. This is your spiritual worship. Oh, we're going to worship? Our lives are going to be lived like we're worshiping somebody? Yes, somebody besides an actor or a singer or a ball player. We're going to worship a living God that can forgive us of what we have done. And bring into our hearts and our lives grace and peace. Do not be conformed to this age. Some translation says don't be conformed to the world. We need to reflect God. How many of you know the moon is dark? It only reflects the light from the sun. We, as Christians, slave to Christ, need to reflect Christ to a lost and dying world. Being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Where does Satan want to tempt us and try us and give us the most trouble? In our mind. It says we're fighting a war that's a a spiritual war. It's not a physical war. It's a spiritual war. It's principalities we face. And it's a war that will tell us in our mind, you're not good enough. You're not worthy. Look at the church. The church has even said, we don't want you unless you act, dress, and do what we do. The Jews didn't want the Gentiles because they hadn't had the burden of the law in their life, all their life. And God said, I don't care what they've had on their life. They are mine because my son died for all. And I'm glad that we are included in that group because if they hadn't brought the good news gospel to the Gentiles, you and I wouldn't have received it. So that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. I told you last week, if we didn't have church tonight, I get two extra hours this morning. So give me ten more minutes, all right? Philippians 4, verse 7. I'll give you a few minutes to turn there. We're going to go back to what it is to be organic. Being an organic Christian means we are not adding to the gospel. We are only enhancing what the gospel is by sharing it to a lost and dying world. And we can't do that if we're living in a miserable state in our own lives. That was one of the main things that I learned when I started out as a salesman. If you walk in and go, hey, you want to buy some of this? I'm not real sure about it, but they tell me it's good. They're not going to buy it. If you want to go in and go, man, we got a great little church. Man, if 
that Sunday school teacher would just be more prepared. We got a great little church if, if, if that praise team would sing the songs I want to hear. Man, we got a great church if that preacher knew how to speak English. We got a great church except for, well, they say come as you are and, and people believe them. We'd have a great, we got a great little church except for uh, some of them folks welcome everybody. We got a great little church except for, I don't know nothing about some of them people that's been coming lately. We got a great little church until we got so many here that I couldn't sit in my same spot that I've watered out for the last 45 years. But here in the church at Philippi, as, as Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 4 and verse number 7, he said, and the peace of God. You know, when you've got peace in God, there seems to be nothing in this world because there is nothing in this world that can get you down or trouble you when you've got the peace of God. I was kidding Pam a while ago when she came in. And I said, I know it just breaks your heart and hurts your feelings to look up and see them little ones running in the door. Doesn't it, Lorna? That's a peace that you cannot have any comparison to when those little ones run in the door with their arms held out wide. They may be wanting money to go to the concession stand. They may be wanting to get into that little private stash in the cabinet that their mamas and daddies don't know about. Or it may be they got in trouble on the ride over and they just need somebody to tell them they can do whatever they want. The word no does not come in their vocabulary. That's the kind of peace. It's the peace that when a two-year-old grandson will run up to you after you buy him a quarter present and grab your leg and hug you so tight and say, you're the best papa ever. That's the kind of peace that God gives us. And Paul says, when you are in the peace of God, it surpasses every thought. So whatever thought the Satan's putting in your head that is bad, that you are not good, you're unworthy, that you have to add to and be able to change something before he will accept you. God said in his own word here that that peace passes by all of that. So that we can know, know that we know that we know that we know we're a child of the king. Then it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, God to man. As we did that organic farming list, we very quickly were able to discern which ones were actually telling the truth and which ones were just like, yeah, I can fill that paperwork out. We started out this morning reading Romans 12, 1 and 2, and it said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Yes, God can give you peace, and yes, God can give you joy, and yes, God can, can make you feel welcomed and but God can also discern whether or not you're a child of his or not. 
God can understand and discern whether you're just walking the walk, but you're never going to be able to talk the talk. God can look at us and understand whether or not we have just added to ourselves to make us look good. A few years ago, well, about 25 now. See, when I say a few years ago, it can be from 1965 to right now. But in 1998, there was this craze going around that you could buy a body and put on the frame of your car and make it look like something else. And there was a guy that we worked with that, oh, he thought he was the ladies' man. I mean, he hair, he looked like John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever. You know, hair all curled up, had hair. That just had hair. And he had, you know, he would wear the, the clothes and all this. And he would, you know, he was the one that had the cologne on that you knew when he come out of the parking lot before he got in the building that he was here. And one weekend, him and his buddies got this wild idea, and he bought this kit off of the Internet, and he come into work two weeks later, and he drove in in his 1980s Toyota with a Lamborghini body on it. Rolled into the parking lot, stepped out of that thing like he was the king of Siam. Everybody look at me, look at what I've got. The only bad part about it, the rim said Toyota. The engine sounded Toyota. And the title to the car said Toyota. Church, we can dress up and act up and do whatever we want to do. But until we have the peace of God in our heart through the blood of the risen Savior and have salvation given to us freely, we can never present ourselves as a holy, living sacrifice to God. We can't share that with others. And we can't have the peace. We'll never be organic because we keep adding to it instead of being natural. This morning we played that video, What Is It To Be A Christian? And I believe that video nailed it. God's Son came, lived among us, died on a cross, rose again, sits at the right hand of the Father as our mediator, as forgiveness of our sins. And if we confess that with our mouth, believe it with our hearts, we shall be saved. And share that gospel with a lost and dying world. That's when we're presenting ourselves. Holy, living sacrifices to Christ, our master, because we are Christians. Father, this morning, I, I thank you for your word that you you so freely give to us, Father. And Lord, I thank you for what you've offered us as mere mortals, Lord, that we can become Christians, that we can accept the love and the grace of God through the death of your Son. 
Father, this morning, if there is anyone here, Father, if there's anyone here today that, Lord, this needs to be assured, Father, I, I ask that you give them the courage and the strength to step out and come. Lord, if there's one here that knows for a fact, I, I don't know him as a personal Savior, that they would come, Lord, and we would find him, find you, Lord, and share them in their heart and their life. Or, Lord, if there's anyone here that says, I'm tired of wearing the act and not living the life and not really knowing, Lord, let that one come also. Lord, if anyone's here today that just needs a home church and they feel like this is where they need to call home, Father, let them come too. Let them come and be, be join in with this body of believers. And Father, when they do come, Lord, I give you, I, I, Lord, I declare in your name that you're going to place a burden in Christians' hearts to come and pray with them and come help them and come direct them so that they can present themselves as a living sacrifice to you. Father, we pray this this morning in your Son's name. Amen. Will you stand with us and as the praise team sings for us this morning, whatever need that you have in your life, whatever you have to do, come and do this morning.